once again, and welcome to episode 117 of Bee Boomer Unleashed, Just Good News, journal entry number 15. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed, on iHeartRadio at B.BoomerUnleashed. You can find our link on Facebook or Spotify at Be Boomer Unleashed, as well as on Instagram. And you can find our link on uh, Twitter at Be Boomer Unleashed One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com with your comments, criticisms, questions, and suggestions for future episodes. And as always, if you or a friend of yours should be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, tell us about that, and we'll do our best to get you on the show. Well, today's episode, episode 117, we interview a young lady, and uh, wow, what a uh, uh, fine young lady she is. It's Mary Ball. And she's an old Barbersville girl, and she's got a great story to tell. Mary Ball, the Academy Award winner, and uh, boy, oh boy, has she got a story to tell, and it's good news, and uh, we're so proud of this young lady. And uh, we're going to uh, do part one of that interview today, and we'll finish it up with part two next week as she tells us about this good news story in her life. So without further ado, let's go to that uh, recorded interview with Mary Anna Ball right now. Well, we have a special guest with us today, Miss Mary Ball. I, I knew her as a little girl as Mary Anna Ball, and I think she still goes by that some. But Mary is a Barbersville girl. She's a member of the Charleston Ballet. She graduated from Marshall University. She's one of the sons of Marshall. I guess she's a daughter of Marshall. And uh, she has a, a graduate degree in uh, humanities and, I mean, a, an undergraduate degree in humanities and classics and another major in Latin and a minor in ancient Greek. My goodness, this girl has uh, uh, studied lots of stuff. She's also a Fulbright scholar and I feel like I'm, you know, interviewing Jennifer Garner or somebody here because she this this young lady has won an Emmy, okay? So we're going to talk about that later, but I hope you'll enjoy this um, episode with uh, Mary today as we uh, talk about uh, some of her accomplishments and the good news that's uh, happened in her life, and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about this documentary that she was involved in. So, Mary, welcome to the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast. Hi, Jerry. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, we're just we're just thrilled to have you here. And I've known Mary, by the way. I've known her since she was a little bitty baby. Her mom and I were great friends, uh, still great friends, but uh, she has turned into just an outstanding young lady. And as you know, this year we're sharing good news stories, and I think this is a pretty good news story. So, Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about growing up around here, and and uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, like you said, I've been in Barbersville, uh, well, now almost my whole life since I spent a few months in in London, but I 
have been where I am now in Barbersville for the majority of my life, so in the middle of the woods, but I really I really love growing up here and having all of this access to outdoors. I've always loved, you know, being outside and running around. Um, and I think that's where I spent, especially before ballet, a majority of my t- a majority of my time is running around in the mud. Oh, I, I remember coming up and watching your mom hose you all off before she let you back in the house. So, yeah, I, I can re- I can relate to that, Mary. Sure, sure enough. But uh, Mary. How did you get interested in ballet? And you're a member of the Charleston Ballet, but how, how did you get interested in ballet? Well, my cousin um, on my mom's side danced before I did, and I grew up watching her, seeing her perform, and that's just watching her on stage made me really want to want to do that as well. Just seeing how how beautiful everything was on the on the performance, and I have vivid memories of the first performances I went to go see actually one of the last performances the ballet did before um, performances were canceled because of COVID was the first ballet I ever saw. So that was really neat to um, be able to be able to perform in the first ballet that I experienced ever. Wow. That was Coppelia. Yeah. Yeah, and your uh, cousin uh, that uh, I think you guys call her Riri, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, she's uh, kind of made dance a career, hasn't she? Yes, yeah, yeah. We're both lucky to have continued having dance in our lives uh, professionally and academically throughout. That's not something many people can say, so we're really fortunate to both have that. Right. Now, how old were you when you started dancing? I was four years old in creative movement. Wow. And it was quite a sacrifice, really, because um, your classes were uh, not here locally. They were in Charleston, weren't they? Yes. The The first year, we did have the option of taking classes in Huntington. So mm-hmm. we just drive down there because she had rented a studio space. But after that, um, we started going up. It started with one day a week. Then it will go up to two, to three, to four. Now it's up to five, to five days a week going up to Charleston uh, for for ballet. Wow! Um, and for those of you who are geographically unfamiliar, it's about fifty miles from here to Charleston. So we're talking about a hundred mile round trip to go up and uh, and rehearse and and to perform. And I I've had the pleasure of watching Mariana do ballet and her cousin before her and uh, it's uh, it's been a thrill just uh, just watching her grow up then you grew up you went to Barbersville Middle School mm-hmm. um, you went to Cabell Midland High School and uh, then you went to Marshall University so tell us uh, my goodness humanities classics Latin ancient Greek <laughs> Uh, what what in the world caused you to go down that pathway, young lady? Well, I had no idea what I wanted to study in college before I went. And I was, it was at orientation, and I went to be scheduled. And because of my ACT scores, they wanted to put me in calculus because I had a high math score. And I said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not want to be in a math class five days a week. 
And so they're like, okay, well, we can take that out and put you in uh, a less advanced math class because I knew I didn't want to do something with math. I'm fine at it, but it's it's just not something I want. To, I was super, super interested in. And so we looked at languages and I said, well, do you have, you know, Russian, Italian? And I started listing off all of these things and they went, no, we don't. Let, let me just show you the list we have. And French was all booked out. Spanish was already all taken. But I saw Latin on the list and I had no experience with Latin whatsoever um, or really with much classics outside of reading for fun, uh, some Homer. And so I said, well, we'll just we'll just take Latin. That's fine. It works perfectly for my schedule. It was a noon class so I could I could get it over with and go to ballet. Uh, after my classes were finished. And so I signed up for for Latin, and I really fell in love with my professor there, Dr. Franzen, was my first Latin professor. And we still talk and are very close friends um, today. And, and it just went all, all down from there. Our class really grew small because Latin is um, a lot more difficult than people think. Just because it's not spoken much, it <laughs> doesn't make it an easy thing to learn. Well, it's found it's foundational to a lot of languages, though. Oh, absolutely, a lot of um, a lot of languages, but it's still a very complex grammar and vocabulary. Um, not many people are familiar with all the cases and declensions for verbs and nouns like Latin does, and so when our class really thinned out. Um, I think in our advanced level classes, there were four of us in there. So it became a really intimate group. And after my second semester, I, my professor turned to me and went, why don't you just major in this? You don't have anything, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just added on classics because all of the classes were similar and all of the friends I had made were in all of those classes. And then when ancient Greek became available to take my um, junior year, I just took that on. And it was only available as a minor, so I just decided to minor it as well. It's all Greek to me, Marianne. You know, it's all <laughs> Greek to me. Tell us about this Fulbright scholarship. That's exciting. A lot of people might not know what the Fulbright is, uh, but it's a very uh, uh, prestigious scholarship. And tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so the Fulbright is a State Department-sponsored scholarship named after former Senator Fulbright. And it's all about, the, its main focus, it says, is cultural immersion and strengthening everyday diplomatic relationships with other countries. And it's, they have a scholarship, at least one for nearly every country in the world. So it's it's a lot of variety, but it's still a year-long application process. So it's it's not an easy an, an, an easy thing. I'm not trying to brag on myself for that because it was a really hard. I I, I didn't like applying for it because it was a lot of work to go through. Yeah. Uh, for something where, especially at Marshall, um, only five people before me had gotten it. Wow. Um. So it's not, it's not something that many people outside of, like, the Ivies get. 
So what uh, what was your what was a typical day like uh, when what what all did you do as a result of that scholarship there in, in London? Well, yeah, I moved to London to study at the University of Roehampton um, because my degree or my sorry my award was specific to that school um, to study with their dance department and their dance research department, and so my typical day. I would wake up around, after quarantining, uh, wake up around nine to take my dance class. Um, And then I either had a few lectures or I would work on some papers. And then in my free time, I would just walk around outside. Not many things were open, but I got a really good physical feeling of of London, walking around everywhere. You know, I'm holding in my hand right now a a DVD, and uh, it's entitled Andre Van Damme and the Story of the Charleston Ballet. Now, Marianna, I I loved watching you dance. I loved watching your cousin uh, Riri dance. Uh, I loved going to those programs when you were a kid growing up, and I've seen some other uh, ballets uh, locally here. But I cannot tell you that I'm a ballet aficionado. And mm-hmm. when I heard about this documentary, I'm going, oh, well, that's nice. But uh, Sherry and I, my wife Sherry and I, we sat down and watched this DVD, and we were just drawn in. We were mesmerized by what was going on. I had no idea about the history of the Charleston Ballet. So first tell us a little bit about what was the catalyst to get you involved in uh, working on this project? And number two, tell us a little bit of the story because uh, folks who aren't familiar with ballet or the Charleston Ballet in particular, uh, the Charleston Ballet has a rich history, and uh, I was just blown away by some of the uh, uh, some of the things that you all talked about <clears throat> in that documentary. So. How'd you get into it? And then tell us a little bit about this documentary project. Well, the, the ball, our ballet company was founded in 1956 by Andre Van Damme. And so our 60th anniversary was coming up. And my friend Deb and I, we would, she's from Huntington as well. So when she danced with the ballet, we would carpool to and from, <laughs> to and from Barbersville uh, together. And we were in the car one day and she's, she's directed many documentaries before. This this was not her first Emmy. She directed the Ashes to Glory documentary on the Marshall plane crash. And we were there and we we just kind of said to each other, well, why don't we do, you know, a short little video. We had a gala that was going to happen for the 60th anniversary. And we're like, well, we'll just make a little, a little slideshow or something, <laughs> you know, for it. And, we didn't know about the history at all, really. And so we approached the director about it, the director of the ballet, Kim Polly. And she was like, okay, well, you can come to the archives one day at our office and see what's all there. And it just became a lot more than a slideshow of pictures with a few fun facts. It became enough to be an hour-long documentary. And when we realized that, we went, well, we'll turn the slideshow into a promotional video for the documentary and just work on a documentary. And that's what we did. 
uh, we worked on the research and filming and everything for about a year before we premiered it in March of 2018. And, <laughs> and your friend you're talking about is Deb Novak, right? Yes, yes. Now, her mother, uh, give you a little history here. I was involved in the theater when I came through <clears throat> Marshall uh, you know, about 100 years ago. And her her mother, Elaine Novak, Dr. Elaine Novak, was one of my drama professors. So uh, she's got a pretty good um, pedigree when it comes to uh, working on documentaries and, uh, and theater, etc. Oh, absolutely. Deb is, you'll have to interview her as well. She's an amazing person. She went to NYU for her undergraduate and graduate degrees in theater and has performed all over the country in various musicals and plays. And, and then of course has won, I think three previous Emmys before our Emmy together. So tell us a little bit about Andre Von Damme and how in the world uh, did he end up in Charleston, West Virginia? Andre Von Damme is a native of Brussels, Belgium and he was born into a military family there who didn't necessarily want him to pursue dance, but he he decided to instead. I mean, he still had a slight military career because he grew up when World War II hit. So he was drafted into, into the army, into the Belgian National Army, and was was a Nazi resistance fighter. He he was part of the underground arms network against the Nazis in Brussels with his wife, Maggie. And he, he had his first kid while, while they were fighting the Nazis as well, but still danced during all of that, during, during all of World War II. He was the premier dancer étoile at the Belgian Royal Opera House Ballet. So that's first star dancer. That's the highest rank you can get in that company. And then after World War II, he and his wife necessarily didn't want to stay in Brussels because of all of the post-war political unrest. And so with the help of some American friends he had made during the war, he and his wife and first child flew to New York and then from there moved to West Charleston, West Virginia. There was already a pretty large uh, Belgian community there from the glass blowing communities and all of the chemical factories. And with a large budding art scene with all of these European and, and international people moving into Charleston because of these industrial jobs and the symphony that had been founded, they decided to open up a ballet school. And Maggie taught French, his wife Maggie taught French Andre taught ballet, and there were some piano teachers, the Hirsus, that taught piano and played music for the class. And in 1956, he decided to just add a company in addition to his school, and the ballets performed continually since then. So we are one of the 10 oldest continually running companies in the U.S. Well, that's a good stopping off point for our interview with Mariana Ball. I hope you've enjoyed the a glimpse into Mariana's life and uh, a glimpse of the Charleston Ballet and Andre Von Damme's life. And we're going to hear more about that next week, but in particular, we're going to hear a whole lot about the making of this documentary that uh, became an Academy Award winner that they won 
an Emmy uh, for this production. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, uh, I hope you'll share it with your friends and pass it along. And uh, also hope you'll join us next week for part two of this interview with Mariana as uh, we continue our discussion about the Charleston Ballet and the documentary. Well, it's been great to be with you folks this week. Like I always say, it would be pretty boring if you weren't here with us. And uh, we uh, hope you'll join us for our next episode. But until then, have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.